0: Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from training camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice, powered by the Ford F 150 Lightning, all electric and built for tough. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. We will have some time to check in with the Ramoslaw.com
1: text line here coming up. 303-713-1043. Make sure you're sending your comments in. It is Matt Smith and Kyle Reese at the DenverSports.com zone. And, of course, Training Camp 2023 is on the air thanks to Ting Internet. If you live in Centennial, make Ting your light speed internet provider for as low as $89 a month. Go to Ting.com slash Centennial for more information. Thanks to Ting Internet. Kyle, we talk about Russell Wilson, but I want to bring up the other parts of this offense that are actually looking good because there are some parts of this offense, in my opinion, that are looking good. Unfortunately, we cannot evaluate them to to their fullest extent necessarily because, Kyle, they're not tackling to the ground right now, but the running game and these running backs – even though Javante Williams is still making his way back. And maybe we'll just start there. What have you seen out of Javante uh, these last 10 days?
2: Uh, some intentionality. Um, and I think that comes from the Broncos staff and making sure that he's in, uh, he's in the mix. In, in the first team reps, uh, at the very top of the period, he's taking those reps. Um, And and it looks like he is a player that is being challenged from within, internally. And then also, looking around the room and saying, there's some pretty good football players in here, and uh, I I want... I want my piece of the pie as well. So I'm going to continue to push myself, to push these other guys. And, and he's answered the call. And for a guy, he's like, it's, it's almost cyborg status, right, mm. for him to come back off of that injury and be in camp, not on the PUP list, taking first team reps. And, uh, and he
1: doesn't look like he's been restricted too much. So uh, tip of the hat to him for you, sure. You didn't say what I hoped you didn't say. What's that? Do you know what I was hoping that you weren't going to say? that this was an Adrian Peterson-like recovery. I've heard so many people say that, but I just want to remind everyone out there to use that comparison wisely. AP came back eight months off the ACL and rushed for 2,000 yards, right? Javante Williams is just making his way back from the ACL. Now, look, I, I am thrilled to see him out there, as, as is everyone, right? But to me, Javante's athleticism is still a work in progress right now, and I'm not exactly sure that Javante is as far along as maybe some others are making him out to be, and I would hope that the Broncos are just continuing to ease him into the operation. But I think you brought up a really astute point there. There's intentionality there. He gets every rep, every first rep. He is squarely the starting running back, and the team doesn't want to misconstrue that whatsoever
2: yeah and it's that's part of the confidence building process right because as you as you hear from all these guys that come back from this injury is it's trusting myself again Mm. it's trusting my body again now if you're sitting in the back watching other guys take reps that you normally would be taking um you know there's there's a mental effect on that and 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 you would like to say these guys are pros and they're grown men and they shouldn't be that fragile And, and and yes that is true but the team can do things to help them in that process as well. So I don't think there's a that's coincidental at all.
1: So we'll see how Javante continues to progress. He will eventually. There's some more great listeners honking at us and shoot us a honk or fire a wave if you're coming down here to training camp or passing the DenverSports.com zone. But it, it's not just Javante, right? Samaj P. Ryan has also been added to the equation. Now, this is a guy who in Cincinnati was primarily their third down back. He was in whenever Joe Burrow needed extra protection because one thing we know about that Bengals team is their offensive line is not nearly as good as it should be when they're talking about protecting a, protecting a commodity like Joe Burrow, right? So Samaje played quite a integral role in that offense, and he's going to have to do much of the same here, and we've seen that in camp. The ability not only to run between the tackles but to make catches out of the backfield and help the offense advance the football in those five to seven yard increments that we were referencing earlier he is as advertised but you
2: kind of know what you're going to get out of a player like that he's trustworthy sure right and a testament to that is if you go back to that super bowl that they lost against the rams he was in on that last play so you trust him in the most critical of moments uh and he's reliable so Again, as advertised, is, is he going to take the top off of things? Is he going to make the spectacular
1: plays? Right, is he, he going to rush
2: for 1,000 yards? No. And nope. no. But you're just going to get a guy that comes to work every day, lunch pail in hand.
1: The exciting member of this running back room is Jaleel McLaughlin, the undrafted rookie at of Youngstown State. Now, this kid's a water bug. He's like 5'7", maybe in cleats, right? He weighs a whopping 180-pound soaking wet. But he is the only back on this team that has home run hitting potential. And he's displayed it on a consistent basis in camp to the point where he is going to make it very challenging for Sean Payton not to include him as part of the final 53. He is. So I, I took your advice and I went back and watched.
2: You took my advice?
1: I'm honored. For once. I'm honored. For once. For once.
2: Um, on you he threw me all the way off Jaleel uh, went back and watched this film at Youngstown State oh yeah, yeah.
1: play after play, <laughs> play after, after play.
2: play really good stuff and then you understand why he's having some success out here very similar in system inside zone right get downhill one read foot in the ground You know, uh, the aiming points aren't very wide, and you can take advantage of his speed. And then they had a few clips of him catching the ball out of the backfield as well. So, you know, the skill set, I think it translates, and and that leads to early success in camp. Now, D-Mac told me the other day, cool your heels, right? There's a guy like this almost every year. And, you know, I'll, I'll have to reflect a little bit in the past. Because, uh, it, but it's hard not to get excited. Who that about guy last year? That, that's that would be my question. There was no guy yeah. last year,
1: so that's yeah. automatically D is ridiculous. I think things. maybe yes. he's just yeah. talking about the fact that Phil Lindsay played for the Broncos. So those guys come around. It's not like they're the most rare things on the planet. But when you have one of those guys, that's an, another weapon that other teams don't have. I look at Isaiah Pacheco in much the same way. And. and in the fact that. that he's a seventh-round draft pick, who not a lot of people expected much out of, he's a shorter, dynamic, speed back. The thing about Pacheco that puts him over the top is he's a bowling ball, right? He runs with such intensity and ferocity, and of, of course, the Broncos could have had him last year, as Cecil has reminded oh. us many, many a time. But when you have a player like that, you add a dimension to the backfield that not every team has. Not every team has that guy. You they know just what's don't.
2: Dope about Isaiah Pacheco is that. He adds an element of toughness, right, to a team that, or to an offense that you really wouldn't classify as such, right? He, right. He, he's a nasty football player,
1: and then he does his dance. And you're like, that same dude runs the football like that. Well, here's the thing about here's the thing about a guy like a Pacheco or what McLaughlin projects to be in this offense is that's a guy who provides explosive plays. And if you watch this Broncos team in 2022, you well know that they lacked. In a real way, four explosive plays last year, and if you can bring that to the equation this year, you will absolutely make it impossible for Sean Payton to leave him off this team. He no will.
2: Doubt. No doubt, and, and he'll scheme him up, you know, and, and he's done wonders with backs like that. You remember Darren Sproles playing for those of guys. Course. Now, now, I want to be careful because Darren Sproles was a special, special football player, um, but you've seen him uh, be able to lean into guys' skill sets and, take, and, and put them in uh, opportunities to have success there, so. He can do it.
1: Be encouraged. What about Tyler Beatty? Tyler Beatty, I think, has had some nice moments himself, but he kind of profiles to me it's either him or McLaughlin. You're not keeping both. And I think Beatty may give you a little bit more on special teams than McLaughlin can at the moment, but I think McLaughlin will have to accept that responsibility if he does want to make his way onto this roster. But truthfully, I think this is a situation where what do you want more? What do you really need more? Do you need that extra running back, or do you need an extra wide receiver? I think it's pretty clear you need an extra wide receiver. I'd rather have that. I'd rather, I'd rather try and sneak Beatty onto the practice squad than I would you know, one of these other wide receivers. I think that you'd have a better chance to do that with a guy like a Beatty than you would with a guy like a um, Brandon Johnson, for, for, for example.
2: I, I might disagree with you there, but only if I could have this question answered. What does Beatty do different from P. Ryan and Williams? And if you can't answer that question dynamically, then he, then you're probably right. It is the extra receiver that you keep. But if he does have some type of dynamic skill set that is different from the other backs on your team, like McLaughlin has, then you can justify trying to keep him around.
1: If you're making your way out here to training camp, make sure you stop by the denversports.com zone. We've got free waters here, thanks to our friends at Gravinas, and it's going to be a hot one today. You're going to be sitting on the berm in that sun. Make sure you come. Stop by after camp is over. We got some great games, got some bags set up, little Papa shot, got some football toss, got all these great things going on. And thanks to everybody behind the scenes here, uh, you know our DenverSports.com crew have done such a great job so far through training camp. It's going to be dog days for the Broncos here at training camp. You know, in short order, but it'll be dog days for us as well. So we appreciate everybody behind the scenes working so hard to make this possible. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese will be back here from the DenverSports.com zone in just a minute.
0: From the DenverSports.com zone, across from Training Camp 2023, thanks.com Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built for Tough. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese.
1: like a good a good tune to welcome and usher in a new era doesn't it kyle it feels very regal it's the start of something new okay. i'll tell you what it is kyle it's the new world of college football yesterday was a monumental day across the sports world as college football as we all know it it had been dying kyle but yesterday the plug got pulled Dying. The plug got pulled. It's done. Is, is that what happened? Is that what happened? It's it got trying. a strap yesterday? Look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oregon and Washington moved to the Big Ten. Utah, Arizona, Arizona State on their way to the Big 12 along with Colorado. Number one, let's just start off here. The conferences need new names. You cannot move forward with the Big Ten and the Big 12. Let's rebrand it all. Let's rebrand it all and rethink how they've done things in the past. Okay, And I'm not talking about... Let's restructure everything in the conferences. I'm talking about let's let's find a way to make this realignment actually make sense. Because right now, when you bring up college football realignment to a casual sports fan, it's like it speaking a different language. It, it really is. And it's, you know, old school guys like me, remember the good old days,
2: we got to hurry up and get over it, for one. Mm-hmm. Because it was very much a geographical, regional sport. Yeah. And... You know, that's why the Pacific 12 or the Pacific 10 made sense or the Southeast Conference made sense. The Big Ten was the Midwest. All those things have gone away. And so being able to flush that, you know, for the casual fan and even the old school fan, that's going to be a little bit of a process. But you're right, it is going to take some rebranding because Oregon now having to visit
1: Penn State every other year, right? You know what I heard yesterday? You know what I heard? Go ahead. It's twenty minutes shorter for Oregon to fly to play Rutgers than it would be for Rutgers to go to London to play a game. (laughs) Just twenty minutes of a shorter trip. And that was one of the biggest hang-ups for Oregon is I believe their their travel budget for all sports was like ten million dollars. And they were gonna have to be fronting more of that than they wanted to, I guess. And what was what was really strange about yesterday is I went to bed on Thursday night with fully intending to wake up to Oregon and Washington heading to the Big 10. But I woke up to a potential Pac-12 Grant of Rights contract being discussed where the Pac-12 was one was, was making one last, you know, last ditch effort to really keep this thing together and it was laughable in the first place because the the reason the Pac-12 failed is they took on an obscene amount of debt for promising television projections that never ended up coming true. And no, he's actually not just not not honking at us. We've got a we've got a guy who is unsuspectingly just pulled over in the turn lane right there. Not not honking at us. He's actually got no idea. He's on the street on his phone. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, not a fan of the show. These television, yeah. Well, it's okay. It's okay. Not everybody can. Do it. These television. I'm sure he would be if he listened, though. That's for sure. These these false television pro, uh, projections that never came came to fruition were what the schools borrowed this money and tried to fundraise against because they were trying to upgrade their facilities in the nationwide race to have the best facilities in the country. Right. And so, I was actually looking at it yesterday the amount of debt some of these universities are in athletic athletically is astronomical we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars i believe cal is it's almost like half a billion dollars in debt from their athletic department so there there was it was unsustainable cal that's what it was they they built their house on the sand yeah. And that's
2: what happens. It gets washed away. One little right? windstorm. And so, you know, and, and that's unfortunate because you're you're mortg- mortgaging your future, trying to make sure you appease all of these teens and all these schools. And you're just and trying to up, keep up with the Joneses, keep up with the arms race. Right? right. And then the minute that you're not able to do so, what happens to the schools that you were trying to take care of? they're out the gate on you. So I'm not telling you you should feel bad for the Pac-12 because they've made their their share of mistakes.
1: They Um, made their bet a long
2: time ago. And it is what it is but this is very much a what can you do for me and what have you done for me, show me the money type game. And that's why you're seeing the the, uh, exodus of those teams to these bigger conferences.
1: Well, when George Klyavkov, who's the current commissioner of the Pac-12, which is now really the Pac-4, there are only four teams left in the Pac-12. Oregon State, rather, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. Four teams left over that have not yet found a conference or at least a realignment partner. And I actually had heard that... It was Oregon State's athletic director, excuse me, Oregon State's president, that yesterday made a phone call to a Big Twelve president, asking if they would take the remaining nine Pac-12 schools. That's how desperate things had become in the Pac-12 because the only deal that was offered to them was a subscription-based model where your revenue would increase if you had more subscribers, which was ironic to me because now you're trying to put your product Now The best you can do after 13 months, the best deal that you are going to present to university and board presidents and regents is a deal where, okay, you're starting at $15 million less than the Big 12 per year per school. Let's just start there. Then, if you actually want to accumulate any sort of significant revenue to the point where you're going to keep up, you have to have an excess amount of subscribers, which you're never going to get because people already have Apple TV, and you'll get some diehard subscribers. But the Pac-12 will be out of out of sight, out of mind for the casual sports fan where it wouldn't have been had it been on ESPN. And, and, and keep in mind, the Big 12 is right next door with the checkbook ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so while all these coaches were, you know, taking pot shots at Coach Prime last week, specifically Dan Lanning in Oregon saying, well, I don't know what Colorado has ever done that would make their absence consequential, you know, to this conference. Well, guess what, Dan? They were the body blow that put you on the map. That's what it ended up being, right? UCLA and USC leaving were the, were, were the shot that wobbled you, but Colorado was the, was the one that everybody finally abandoned ship on. I didn't disagree with Dan Lanning. What? Why? What? What? What does that have any? Co- what does that matter? The fact that Colorado hadn't won anything. Guess what? The the the, the interest, yeah, You think? Who cares? What what do you interest, think who cares. What's I'll the take, bottom line? I'll, the bottom line is money. That's uh-huh. what this is all about. It's not about winning, buddy. That's what it's oh. all about, and that is why what, what losers are making money. Well, man. I'll tell you. I'll, every how about Vanderbilt in the SEC? Can't win a damn game, they're still making an equal share just along with the rest of them. How about Missouri and the SEC? I'm just saying there's plenty of these teams around the country that hold a golden ticket that should be counting their lucky stars right now because eventually the bill will come due and these conferences will realize that they don't need a bottom feeding program that doesn't have the resources to compete. So why would we be giving them an equal share? Eventually that's going to happen. And when that happens, we'll be barreling towards super conferences. But for the University of Colorado, it it's kind of I thought it was fascinating because you, you asked me what was going on with Prime yesterday. I'll tell you this. He came in spicy. Very spicy. This is you you, you finally got the vibe for Prime. You're like, Oh, this is football season prime. Like okay. this is football season Coach Prime. He was confrontational if you asked a dumb question, he was right down your throat, which I think there's a lot of local media in Boulder that don't quite get him yet and know how to deal with him yet, but but I think over time they'll start to get it. If you ask him a bad question, he'll he'll let you know about it. And, and I think yesterday was the first time that he kept receipts. He took a shot at Dan Lanning yesterday mm. when the news just broke that Oregon and Washington were headed of the Big Ten. He walked into the press conference room, and immediately you could tell there was a little bit of animosity there to him, a little bit of uh, attention in his chest, and... They were saying, well, what did, you, what, what did you think about the two schools that are moving from that conference? And he goes, oh, you mean the schools that took shots at us? And so, you know, I think yesterday, being the first time that he addressed it publicly, this has been eating at him a little bit more than he let on.
2: Yeah, you know, extremely prideful, extreme. I mean, he's out there. He, he, he doesn't make uh, his self-confidence he, he does. He wears it on his sleeve. And so that is what it is. That's what you're going to get with Deion or Coach Prime or whatever it is that you want to call him at this point. I, I know he prefers Coach Prime. Um, but listen, what is he supposed to say? You know, you don't want a coach up there with that circumstance that's going to back down from anybody, even though they don't necessarily have the historical reference to puff their chest out in any room. So I'm not mad at him for doing that. I know for a fact right now he doesn't want to line up against Oregon tomorrow. He's gonna have to in about a month <laughs> and, know, and a half. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, he yeah. He, 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 don't, he don't want to do that, right? Right. right, right. But you know he he he's got to he's got to back up with the things that he's been saying. So it, it you know he I just thought it was has no other choice. Well, I just
1: thought it. Was, well, he could have just let let you know better off alone if he wanted to. But no, he he kept the receipt and he and he was happy to tell us about it for the first time yesterday. He's even come back and addressed, you know, fake rumors that that fake post that circulated on social media that was allegedly attributed to him. He came out and said, no, that was not me, because up until that point, he hadn't addressed those those people that were being outwardly critical and publicly critical. But he did yesterday. So, look, I think it was an interesting vibe yesterday. We also talked to Shadur Sanders this week and Shadur and offensive coordinator Sean Lewis are back in the lab working on trying to build off of the progress that they made in the spring. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this, Coach Prime now has 59 new players that were not here in the spring that they will have to get up to speed along with everyone else. And I'll tell you what, I know that they are counting their lucky stars that they had so many players involved in the spring program, because if they didn't, Kyle, uh, you want to talk about... Eighty-eight new kids or eighty-seven new kids out of one hundred and seventeen total on the roster. That is a lot of of young men to get on the same page in such a short period of time. Restricted hours that you can spend with them—only twenty hours a week. So,
2: yeah. Either way, you know th- there are teams that are you know light years ahead of you in terms of installation, in terms of continuity, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, either way, you're still going to have to be creative with the schedule and how you communicate with guys. And, and, and hopefully those guys are putting in some work on their own that can help accelerate this process. But you are going to see a very different product, I'd say, even come October So you from are, what you'll see in September.
1: So are you excited about the Buffs? I'm really nervous the for them.
2: I'm, uh, uh, to the Big 12? Of course. Oh, yeah. You Listen, you know. You don't want to be the last one in the burning house. You don't want to be cow right now.
1: No, no. They, they got didn't. out like George Costanza did out of the <laughs> fire, shoving away women and children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you, they you, did.
2: You don't want You don't want no, to be re- that. No
1: real regard for anybody left in the conference. And why would they, yeah. right? Because you are now off to fend for yourself in this feast or famine world that is college football and what it's turning into. And, you know, I want to bring this, bring this up, too, about Coach Prime. I give him a lot of credit, man, because you want to talk about, someone who doesn't have to but ends up being a champion of players' rights in college football. And I give him a lot of respect for that because there are no coaches in the country that are willing to go out there and voice their opinion so strongly publicly to the point where you could even classify it as championing a cause. And the question was brought to him yesterday about the social media handles on the back of the jerseys. And while I think that that is a little ridiculous, and I would have hoped that we would have graduated from that, moving up to Power 5 football from FCS, what, what it does is it shows the players that you care about their individual identity. And that's hard to do with kids specifically who, who aren't playing. So it's not like Shadur Sanders needs his handle on the back. It's not for Shadur. It's for everybody else, man. But it's about the individual, and there's not a lot of coaches willing to go out there and say, "Why judge a player for NIL or for his ability to, ability to earn or to hit the transfer portal in this you know this fake you know veil of amateurism and loyalty when the transfer portal exists in the fashion it does, when a school." Can turn right around and flip a conference, and you've seen that from a lot of these Olympic athletes the last the last two days speaking out. I was looking at a few of the members of the Oregon women's you know softball team saying, "Look, I didn't come to Oregon so I could go play at Rutgers, and my parents could see me play in New Jersey. They're not going to be. I wanted to be home, yeah. right? So now my senior year is going to be spent half of it on the East Coast.
2: Yeah, that that that's tough. The handles on the back of the jersey. Do you think that speaks to? Caring about their individuality, or is it a workforce readiness? You are a business. I'm going to allow you to move as such. Both, uh, Both. I, I think it's a, a less about caring than it is. Hey, man, this is business, and I respect the fact that you are a business. You, because you are.
1: Well, if he didn't care about the business of the individual, then they wouldn't do it. That's the truth. Then they yeah. wouldn't have the numbers. Then they wouldn't. If he didn't care about the individual, then he'd be Sean Payton without the logos on the helmets and OTAs. That's not what it was. Yeah that, in my opinion, that's yeah. what it was. I, I'm just saying, like, how can he, he addressed the, criti- the the hypocritical nature of a lot of these coaches coming out and hammering players for doing exactly the same thing that any coach or any university has the ability to do. So in this new world of college football, why would the ones who are actually spending and putting their bodies on the line to generate this hard earned revenue for universities, for conferences, for television networks, why would they be left in the lurch when we have the freedom to operate? Yeah, uh, you know,
2: the, they are adults, you know, maybe not so much in terms of maturity, but they have entered in the professional world, and they've got a right to move, move as if they are, so I, I can respect that. The bottom line is, if you're Nick Saban and you got Bryce Young, Bryce Young can go do whatever he wants, right? He can go do the, the Heisman House commercial, he can do those things, as long as he comes back and plays like he did and becomes a first, the first pick in the draft this year, then you know, he can go do what he wants. You pay like you weigh, right? You mm. got to be worth your headache, and those type of players are worth their headache. So hopefully when you see something like that, this is on the front end of things, hopefully those guys play so that you can completely disregard that, say that's just part of the business, and you can respect what's going on up there. But if they stink, you're going to you're gonna reference that and say, and the, and the handle's on the back of the jerseys, and this, that, and the other, right? So the bottom line is, are you worth a headache? Do you pay like you weigh?
1: Well, you're talking about priorities and what's most important to you. Because Coach Prime always talks about keeping the main thing the main thing. Can you really say you're keeping the main thing the main thing if you've got social media handles in the back of jerseys, right, when you're prioritizing the individual? But I think his point is he can do it, right? He's got the ability and the wherewithal to be able to implement compartmentalization throughout the whole team where, yeah, we can have the social media and, yeah, we can have the handles, but when it comes to the football field, it's football first. Now, I don't think there's a lot of coaches actually around the country that could actually do that. You've got to have cachet. You've got to have the full, unbridled respect from your team and your student athletes, and you've got to have buy-in. And if you don't, if if you're trying to sell something to a group of 18 to 22, 24-year-olds right now, and they see you as disingenuous, you've got no shot of actually getting them to buy in. So well, I give him credit for that.
2: Him to those guys, right? Because that is who he is. Well, that's right? that's in line with his personality. So this is not surprising. It's not a out of character or any of those things. But again, but it is rare. It, it is rare. It is rare. And and listen, that's the lurch. You talk about lurch to the, that coaches are in. How much do we respect this? But we are also coaching the team game of football and there's 11 guys out here that are relying on each other so when how much should i respect and appeal to your individuality in this team sport that is if you screw up that could be me getting my teeth knocked out what
1: i think is funny is if you do it in this way you give them the exposure like i said the other day on social media Colorado has become exposure, you, right? Like, that's what you get. You're always on camera the second you walk in the facility. Yesterday, there's a big sign on the door for the press conference that says, If you do not want to be in the documentary, then don't enter this room, right? Because you're constantly being filmed now for season two of Coach Prime coming out on Amazon. It's a movie. Like, that's it. And he's the director. He can run the the set however he wants to, man. On Monday, we all showed up for practice. They had ended an hour early and told nobody. And told nobody. I'm just saying, he is the king of the castle, and that entire operation moves as he wants it to move. But as long as you've got the buy-in of the kids, as desperate as they have been for a real chance to compete, a real chance of success up there, they they were willing to take that chance. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Broncos. Last year with Russell Wilson, you needed a quarterback like you needed water stranded in the desert. And for CU, you needed leadership like you needed water stranded in the desert. And they finally have real leadership. Now they paid through the nose to get it. And it doesn't necessarily mean, Kyle, that it's going to translate to success on the field. Like you said, there's still a lot of football to be played. But I'll give them this. I'll give them this, man. It's bold as hell. It's ballsy. And it's exciting. I can't wait to see what happens. I really can't. You say it's a movie. Let's just hope it ain't a horror movie. That's the truth. And that's the truth. And let's hope it's a movie that I'm not walking out of and then panning, you know, in my detailed and extensive reviews as I am a cinephile. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to get off to an exciting start, too. Right. Right. Here's a couple on the Ramoslaw.com text line. Moving back to the Broncos here. Uh, from the 7 0 is it financial pressure that's keeping Russ the number one quarterback? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. (laughs) But here's the other part of it. Who else do you want? You don't want Stidham or Danucci, That much, I promise you. They've looked about comparable to Russ, but that's not what you want. Right? I mean, if you have to break glass in case of an emergency, I'd rather break glass with a Jared Stidham than a Brett Rippon. But he's certainly, yes, it is financial pressure.
2: Yeah, I mean... That's the reason this business is what it is. That's the reason the NFL is a billion-dollar corporation, is that
1: dollars make sense, man, and right now it ain't adding up. And to this texter, the reason there is so much financial pressure to have Russell Wilson and to figure out Russell Wilson is because if he is on the roster past the fifth day of the league year in 2024, his cap hit, dead cap hit, would roll over into another year. So you'd have to spread out more money across another season, thus being even further hamstrung throughout this process of reshaping or retooling or rebuilding or however you want to classify it, Kyle. Yeah. The number was $85 million, right? If you were to have gutted them this year. Yeah. And, and next year it'll be the same. Yeah. Yeah, next year it'll be the same. And no, this you- year was a hundred next year, is, like next year 85. is 85 and if you do and it you after spread it June, over into two years
2: you do it 50 million and 35 or whatever the case you makes. still don't
1: want to have to do that but you got to figure out if if that's where this whole thing is understand what dead cap means right 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 but, but at the same time you cannot spend and this is where the russell wilson conversation is coming to a head in training camp 2023 and this is where it is it's what we're seeing right now is not indicative of a guy that at the end of the year will have shown enough to the organization via his performance in a positive fashion on the field to prove to them that he is their future at the age of 35 years old.
2: You know what stinks about it? I was thinking this to myself yesterday. Is This is not a want-to issue. This is not a personality issue or being a jerk. Or any of those things, right? You can see the energy. You can see Russell Wilson on the opposite field uh, talking through what's going on in the next period with the quarterbacks, with the coaches. I mean, he is dialed in and locked in. This is this is not a personality or character issue, right? You've seen those thing in, eh, things in the NFL. You're, you're talking know, about Russell Wilson? No, I'm talking about Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm about I don't Russell. agree. It's not about the time that he puts in. It's not about working hard. He's not Ryan Leaf. Right, you said personality. He, 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 yeah, he, he's, 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 he's he's none of those things, right? I don't know. I, 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 you disagree. It's okay, right? this It feels like a physical issue, right? It, it feels like a physical limitation that we're seeing play out on the field.
1: Is that what it really feels like to you? To me, it looks all mental. It looks like it's confidence. It looks like it's processing speed. It looks like it's decision-making, man. And, and again, this is the second year in a row you have to learn a completely new offense. So it shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't just – get it right. but you should look better than this and somebody on the text line says look Russ is one of the most seasoned quarterback veterans he shouldn't be failing the 101 tasks too strong of unchecked I don't know what he was going for delusioned egos will in, in that building Broncos aren't competitive for playoffs in the last two weeks of the season now say I don't believe it I don't believe it's because he doesn't know what's going on yeah I don't I don't agree with that either I just think that he's having you know what it looks like you know what it looked like to me on Monday and I, this is what it looked like. It looked like everything is moving 100 miles an hour for him. And that's the part about playing quarterback. A lot of people don't really, really get, if you haven't done it at any point, at any level, the amount of information that you have to process in like a six-second time frame, Kyle, it's a ton. And it's your entire field of vision. And so if your communication isn't dialed in, if you're constantly you know, shooting yourself in the foot because of, procedural penalties before you even get the snap off. I mean, you just put your you bury yourself into a situation where you're you almost have to have the tide that raises all boats to even be an efficient operation. And for whatever reason, Russell Wilson, despite being the winningest quarterback in NFL history over the first 10 years of their career has not been able to accomplish that so far in his Broncos tenure.
2: Nine Pro Bowls. It's just I have a tough time believing that It's now the mental part of the game that's challenging him. I just, it feels like there's something else.
1: You know what I have a hard time believing? What's that? That our entire broadcast from training camp 2023 is powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built Ford Tough. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese from the DenverSports.com zone. We're rolling on through training camp. Dan Jacobs will be following us. But when we come back, Kyle, there's some other news around the NFL that we need to address, and we'll do it next.
0: Sports.com zone across from training camp 2023. Thanks to Com Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice, powered by the Ford F 150 Lightning. All electric and built boards up. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle
1: Reese. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese here from the Denver Sports.com zone across the street from training camp. Gorgeous, gorgeous morning. I mean, really. Very few clouds in the sky. Whatever you're doing today, I'm sure it's wonderful. But if you're making your way down here, make sure you stop by the denversports.com zone. Grab yourself a free water, courtesy of our friends at Gravina's. Kyle, there's some other NFL news I kind of want to address with you here. And that is the suspension to Alvin Kamara. Of course, former Saints running, well, current Saints running back and former Sean Payton, you know, draft pick. But this is a guy you got popped three games for that nightclub incident. That was, that was warranted.
2: Yeah. yeah. Roger say he don't want me in the strip club. I don't see nothing wrong with the strip
1: club. <laughs> yeah, well, no. I don't think he's got any problem with you up in the club, but it's, it's just don't cave that guy's face in before he gets in the club. I mean, whatever happens, that's about as dumb of a suspension as you can get from a bar fight. I don't care. Like, there is nothing that happens in a strip, strip club or a bar that is going to be worth it enough to the point where – you're going to find yourself in a three-game suspension. Just not.
2: I think we have to
1: <clears throat> constantly
2: reset who we're dealing with. I understand that we're dealing with 23, 24, sometimes a little older. So it's okay nope. at 23 nope. to 24 nope. is what you're saying nope. to beat some dude up. Nope. Not saying that. Oh, no? Not saying that at all. Okay. Uh, where I'm going with that is that they don't always appreciate or understand the privilege that they have mm. that it is to play in the NFL.
1: Some hard-learned lessons. Yes, and
2: year after year, um, they take the money for granted, mm. and they take the prestige for granted, and uh, it comes back to bite them. And so we as civilians, we always look at it and say, this guy just doesn't get it. How could you make a mistake like that? Um, and, yes, they are inexcusable, um, but you know, we, we are dealing with young men that have been given a, a whole lot of um, very quickly, so you know they make mistakes, man, and and sometimes it's it costs them a whole lot of money. It's unfortunate, but every year we seem to be having this conversation. Was three games sufficient enough? Uh, you know, three games, I, I would have been fine with five. Me too, Me too. honestly. I'm, yeah, the video, the video ma- people, and man. the
1: video makes it look so much worse, man. When we have you on tape, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to get out of that one. The other the other comment. I caught from around the NFL this week was from Jamar Chase. He was doing an interview at training camp with NFL Network and he revealed that he told Joe Burrow, "Look, bro, as long as you're good by week 5, just get yourself right." Which I thought was hilarious because how many other situations around the league would would you have a star receiver like Jamar Chase, you know, talking to his quarterback saying, "No, you don't have to worry about the first 5 weeks of the season." Can you imagine somebody <laughs> going up to Russ? Russ you know what, we don't need you till week five. All right, buddy, you know, just why don't you take it easy. Well, that guy gets that the picture. That may big be for picture. a different
2: reason. That guy gets the big picture. And there's something that you got to read between the lines in, in a guy like that saying that, because this is going to be a very big year in terms of contract for Jamar Chase. So his numbers, right, are going to dictate how well he gets paid. T. Higgins is also involved in that conversation. For him to unselfishly go, To his teammate and say, hey, man, the big picture is we make another Super Bowl run. Mm. So you do what you have to do to get healthy. He's also saying that I'm putting my own personal interest on the back burner so that we can make another run at this thing. That's a huge statement. I know. We talk about a young, and we talk about young guys, right? The maturity in that, I, 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 that can't be understated. And, and tip of the hat to him, that's a huge thing to get, for him to go
1: and do. I agree with you. And it's certainly why it caught my eye, right? I mean, Joe Burrow, we don't know what the status is there. He's coming off the ankle, calf injury, strain calf, I believe it was. We'll see if he's even ready for the start of week one. But I think it's interesting. It's nice to be in a position as a team where you have such high expectations that you're more worried – about your quarterback being, you know, available for the end of the year, which honestly is the theory behind what Nathaniel Hackett tried to do last year, but he put the cart way, way, way before the horse in assuming that they would be there rather than getting calloused enough to be in that position and and being, you know, focused and intentioned enough to put in the work and to prepare the requisite amount. I love a story like that, man. That just that makes my heart
2: jump for joy because it does speak to the team sport. And you know, I, I don't want to go too far left, but it, it, it begs the question: when you got guys putting their Twitter handle on the back of their jerseys, are they oh. the same guy that would go and do that for their quarterback when the money when the money was on the line? Well,
1: luckily in the NFL, they don't put their handles on the jerseys. We love it more. You understand listeners. what I'm saying? I do get it. I do get yeah, it. I, 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 do, you saying? Saying? You can, do you understand what I'm saying? It's the coach. You understand what I'm saying? But that's so big from
2: Jamar. Chase, man. Yeah, that is I'm, so big.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. The Hall of Fame game was also on Thursday. We, we, we have NFL football. You know, there is no longer a week until February without football. Every week from here on out, folks, football. It'll be preseason for a few weeks. You know what's funny about the preseason is we get to, like, week three. We get so excited. We're like, all right, we've, we've had a taste of it already. And the Broncos will compete in their first preseason game on Friday night in Arizona, 8 o'clock on NFL Network. I don't know if that will be blacked out. They probably do it locally because they show all those games locally. But make sure you check your, you know, TV times and listings or however the heck you, you, you consume sports these days or, yeah. you know, so television. It's take a television. little work to get to it, but you'll be able to. Yeah, you will. And they play Arizona. And from what I've heard out of Arizona's training camp is <laughs> you want to talk about dysfunction. <laughs> the Cardinals look awful. I mean, the Cardinals look terrible. It's probably going to be Colt McCoy who gets the bulk of the work as a starter this season, which means he probably won't play in, in <laughs> on Friday night. Yeah, they're just talent depleted. Completely, yeah, in a real way. Yeah, they, and I think it's a great test for Denver to just at least go out there and get your feet wet, but maybe not necessarily against the best competition. No doubt, no doubt. The but it won't on. be yourself. It won't be your own defense,
2: and that's a pretty critical part of it. Well, then you can start you can kind of start stacking some of those positive experiences. Yeah, the Cardinals, they're, they're going to be – a, a They're going to be probably the worst team in the NFL this year. They tried to give Buda Baker the money, and he took it. I understand, but if I was him, I would have held out. Like, man, I'm starting to get to the lifespan of NFL safety. I'm, I'm trying to see what I can do in terms of success.
1: There were also some pass rushers that got more extensions and some linebackers, for that matter. Logan Wilson got an extension out of Cincinnati, former Wyoming Cowboy. Great player. Heck of a player. Great inside linebacker. Cameron Jordan, another New Orleans Saint. He got an extension. It's re- his, his last contract. Deal, think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I believe it's just two years. So it's yeah. this season and next season. Most likely a future Hall of Famer. And Yannick Ngakwe, which was a name that we have mentioned many different times throughout the course of this offseason, as a potential fit here for the Denver Broncos at, Ed- at edge rush, got $10.5 million. For one year, pay that man by the Chicago Bears, which good for him, man. I mean, you held out, you got ten and a half. Frank Clark got what five and a half with incentives. Like he makes five and a half if he hits incentives. Yeah,
2: looking should, back, it makes the Frank Clark- a little longer.
1: Looking back, it <laughs> makes the Frank Clark signing look pretty good. Doesn't? Yeah, it? no doubt. And listen, man, teams
2: are desperate. You know, you can you can see in the acquisitions and you know wanting to to keep known commodities. Sometimes you you want to take a risk on new guys and bring them in, but. You know, when you know what you got and a player is reliable, you, you you pay him. So, uh, again, it's that time of year. You can even see with the Broncos acquiring another interior defensive lineman this morning, right, in, in, in Forrest Merrill. This is a guy who had not played a ton of football, has had four tackles in his NFL career. But that's the state of affairs when it comes to quality defenders and quality players, man. That's the time of the year we're in.
1: And we just mentioned Frank Clark. He is not practicing today. He has been in and out of the lineup pretty much throughout training camp. So hopefully he can work himself back. And as we were talking, probably a wise move by this coaching staff to whatever just, you need, for just Frank. take your time. Whatever you need, Frank. He, he, because they need him to be a big contributor this year more than they did when they signed him. Certainly more, more than they need him practicing. Yeah, right. And yeah. you referenced that the Broncos made another addition today, and they did. Per Mike Cliffs on Twitter, Broncos have signed former Chargers defensive tackle Forrest Merrill, and they also waived their injured guard Yassir Durant, who was also signed during training camp. So a little bit more depth there at defensive tackle, which we've talked about all offseason the Broncos need from that defensive line. They just really do. And as we move into, finally, a game prep week for the Broncos, because this is a game prep week, what are you looking for from this offense? In practice or when they actually take the What are you field looking for in practice, buddy? Yeah,
2: well, more of the same, right? They have done a really good job of being crisp, right? Getting in and out of the huddle, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So continuing to build on that, and you, and not seeing those procedural errors manifest themselves when they when they hit the field against the opposition. So building on that. Um, And and then just what are they doing in the running game to help put Russell Wilson in manageable situations, right? The third and eight or the second and eight, there were too many of those last year, right? Can we get down to the second and fours? Can we get down to the third and fours? Things that are manageable to where, you know, the whole playbook is open and we're not just dropping back, letting the defense pin their ears back. Would you be
1: tackling this week? Yes. Which
2: days? Um, You should be tackling. Not thudding tackling to the ground well well, that can happen today and monday right and then that's about it
1: yeah i'd agree with you there i would agree with you there we are here live from training camp 2023 in the denversports.com zone thanks to our friends from con construction a commercial general contractor specializing in tenant improvement and design build projects for over three decades that's con k-a-h-n construction.com kyle was a fun one let's do it again tomorrow morning shall we how about that eight to ten On Denver Sports Station,
0: 104.3 The Fan, tomorrow morning, Dan Jacobs. He's up next.